Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. On this week's episode, you'll meet Dana, Jenna, and Nikki of the Prairie Farm Project. The Prairie Farm Project is a partnership of Central Alberta producers dedicated to providing nutritionally dense and ethically raised food and other farm products to families. Together, Ladies Hat Farm, Red Tail Farm, and Lazy Tea Farm market their products collaboratively and host farm-to-table events featuring local chefs. They called it a project because there was no model that they were following, and as time goes on, they hope to grow and evolve in ways that best meets their community's food needs. Their tagline is young farmers producing good food and having a good time doing it. And as you guys will hear in today's episode, these ladies are truly passionate about what they do, and they truly do have a good time doing what they're doing on their respected farms and coming together as a community to feed their community. Before we get to today's episode, we're going to go over our review of the week. This week's review comes from Weber Hollow Homestead via Apple Podcast. This five-star rating and review is titled Inspiring Women. This podcast has inspired me in so many ways. I often feel out of place because I do not know many people in their 20s that are farming or trying to build up a farm. When I was told about this podcast, I instantly fell in love. I feel like I'm sitting in a room with great friends listening to their stories and making me feel at home. Thank you for sharing your stories and bringing a community of incredibly inspiring women together. Well, thank you so much for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you guys have been enjoying the show, like I say all the time, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the show. This helps others find and discover the Rural Woman Podcast and gets the inspiring stories of women in agriculture into more ears. And also a quick note, make sure if you guys haven't already done so, check out the new rally gear over in Shop Wild Rose Farmer. I recently released a new tank top to help fix your farmer's stands and to help support the campaign. So stay tuned later in the episode to learn more about the rally campaign and the amazing organizations that it continues to support. And without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with the amazing ladies from the Prairie Farm Project. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good. (laughs) There are so many of you. (laughs) The most I've ever recorded of a podcast with multiple people is two. So now we have three and I am so excited for us to get to know you ladies. I was lucky enough to be able to hear you guys speak at the Organic Alberta and Holistic Management Conference that we were all at earlier in February this year. So it's really great to speak with you all again. And I'm excited for my listeners to get to know you. We're excited too. Hopefully we don't all sound the same. (laughs) (laughs) You might all have to say who's talking. So everybody, but I'm sure we can all pick it up eventually. We'll make it through. (laughs) So for my listeners, I would like each of you to explain who you are and where you're from and give us a bit of your background. Sure. I'll go first. My name is Nikki Weird. I run a small scale sustainable cut flower farm near Castro. 
I grew up in Castor on a ranch. I was the fourth of five kids. After high school, I worked and studied in journalism for, I guess it was like eight years almost, where I went to Edmonton. I did my undergraduate degree in uh, communications, majoring in journalism, and worked at a television station as a producer, and then moved to Ottawa to finish my master's in journalism. While I was in Ottawa doing this program, I wrote my thesis on first-generation farmers in Canada. So I had an opportunity to travel across the country and interview young farmers, first-generation farmers. So these are typically people who are from a city, not raised on a farm, but who have chosen to move to a rural location and start their own farm, largely from scratch. And in this process, in interviewing all of the different young farmers, I kind of realized how lucky I was to have grown up on a farm and to have parents who would support me if that's something that I wanted to do. Growing up, even though I, I grew up in a agricultural community, farming was never offered to me as an option of something that I could do. I had never seen anyone that looked like me farming, so, you know, young female um, farming. And everything around our area is quite industrial and large scale. But when I was interviewing these first-generation farmers, I saw that, you know, you can be successful and you can farm no matter what your race, gender, age is, and you can do things on a small scale, you know, live more sustainably. So in 2017, I moved back to my family farm and I started Ladies Hat Farm, which really has kind of, I've done everything. <laughs> my first year, I kind of focused on vegetables. I raised meat chickens, I had pigs, bees, I did some mushroom logs, laying hens, and then since then I've also done lamb, and this year I'm really trying to hone in on my business, and I'm just growing cut flowers and raising grass-fed, grass-finished lamb. And that is my story. All right, I'll go next. So my name is Jenna Hope. And I farm at Lazy Tea Farm with my husband and my parents. So I grew up on this farm. It's just north of Helkirk, Alberta. And I'm actually fifth generation on the farm. So my great-grandfather settled the place that we're living now, which is very cool. And the other really neat thing is that it's actually been passed down through the females. So that's something very unique about our farm. And so I grew up on the farm and then I went away to college. Oddly enough, I went to an agricultural school, but took interior design <laughs> and lived in the city. I moved to Calgary and worked in interior design and was a professional home organizer there for quite a few years and was loved and um, didn't ever really think about coming back to the farm. And then at the time I was broken up with my high school boyfriend, uh, Brett, who's now my husband. <laughs> so two years later, oddly enough, we got back together and um decided to go traveling. We kind of downsized everything and moved into our Volkswagen van and went traveling. So we traveled all through the States and got the opportunity to work on different farms, uh, the Workaway program. And that just really opened up our eyes to all these people who had different kinds of farms and people who really, really wanted to farm but didn't have the opportunity. And we really wanted to be connected to our food in the city where we were living before, we couldn't be connected to our food. And we just realized the opportunity that we had. So we ended up moving back to my family farm. And uh, Brett was never a farmer before, but he's fully taken that on and is very passionate about grazing now. 
So we run pastured poultry. We do about a thousand broiler chickens every summer and then grass-fed beef as well. Okay, my turn. My name is Dana Bloom. My husband and I run Red Tail Farms and we're just straight south of Castor. We have been farming for about six years. So we got into farming when Ian's dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and decided to move home and kind of start the steps to take over. And then it was Sun to Earth Farms. And they, Kathy and Richard Ian's parents actually direct marketed grass-fed beef and lamb. They didn't do pigs but and chicken. So they were kind of already direct marketing and kind of in that grass organic world before we So we kind of had a leg up in that sense. So to backtrack, um, Ian and I are high school sweethearts. To me, I always knew I wanted to be raised on the farm, my children. Ian, not so much. It took more convincing, but we had this opportunity and then we ended up taking it. We were both working and living in the city beforehand. So now we raise grass-finished fed beef and pastured pork. We have three busy, crazy boys that we try and navigate alongside the farm. So we direct market most of our meat to families in the city, as well as we just kind of got into the restaurant world as well. That's been a huge opportunity for us. Yeah, I think that's us. (laughs) That's all of you. That's wonderful. (laughs) So obviously there must be a connection between the three of you, which we will get into in a little bit. But for now, I'm kind of break out and ask you individually some questions. So Nikki, my question for you is through everything that you've tried and experienced on your farm in a short amount of time, what made you decide that cut flowers was going to be the thing that you focused on? (laughs) It's kind of funny because when I moved back um, three years ago, I, you know, was starting a bunch of vegetables in trays in my mom's living room, much to her chagrin, I guess. <laughs> she was not impressed. And she said to me, she's like, you should start some flowers. You're going to love, you're going to love flowers. And I said, no, I don't want to do flowers. Like I want to grow food. What is the use of flowers? And that first year I had a kind of a small CSA veggie box program and I offered my mom has a perennial garden. And so I would, you know, go my, with my clippers in there and just take what I wanted. And offered these bouquets as an, an add-on to the box. And I found that I really enjoyed, and I, I think I have an eye for um, floral design, and I really enjoyed working flowers, and my mom was right. I should have planted a lot of flowers, and I kind of realized that even though flowers aren't food that you eat, it's really a reflection of the beauty in the world, and like, sounds so cheesy, but kind of feeds the soul. Um, and I really see a role that they play in somebody's home and in somebody's life. Like, I think that by having flowers on your table, it just brings a lot of joy into your life, much as a good meal does. So I ended up taking my florist certificate through Mount Royal that fall. And the second year, ramped up my flower production a bit, but still focused on veggies. And then last year, it was kind of half and half. And I started doing wedding work. So I did five or six weddings last summer using primarily my own blooms and then this year I've just decided you know I can actually make quite a bit more money off of flowers which at the end of the day you know your farm has to be profitable and for the amount of time I was putting into vegetables in this area being so remote we just don't have the market to support them 
But with flowers, I can, you know, afford to travel around a little bit more. And I have 12 weddings this year, this summer, with brides that are really keen to use my flowers and really understand the importance of ecological, local blooms in their in their weddings. So that's why I zoned in on flowers. <laughs> that's very cool. And I'm glad you said the cheesy thing about flowers being <laughs> the soul, because if you didn't, I was going to. <laughs> Shop Wild Rose Farmer is an online store specializing in apparel and accessories for the fine farming, ranching, and homesteading community that we are blessed to all be a part of. The shop includes quality graphic t-shirts that I promise are going to be your next favorite shirt. Plus, we can't forget the tank tops to even out those farmer's tans that you're going to get from your new favorite tea. Plus, hats, crewnecks, mugs, and more that you are just going to love. Your purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer directly supports the Rural Woman podcast. Join the Wild Rose Farmer community email list and receive 10% off your first purchase. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com slash shop to check out the new latest and greatest designs. So Jenna, my question for you is being a fifth generation female farmer on your property is a big deal. And that's something that we don't hear a lot, the woman taking over the family farm. So was there ever that pressure for you growing up, knowing that in the back of your mind that maybe one day that you should come back to the farm, even if that wasn't your big idea while you were growing up? Yeah, no, that's a good question. It's funny. These are things that I never really paid attention to as a kid, (laughs) oddly enough. There was definitely never any pressure, which was really nice. But mom and dad always kept the farm like really fun and enjoyable and they showed that it could be profitable and just a really good experience growing up on the farm. So that really helped my decision to come back to the farm, I guess. But there was never any pressure because I was the next female in line or anything. I would be so happy if my brother came back and joined us as well. And even though it's always been the females taking over the farm, there's another good male or (laughs) farmer with them supporting them too. So yeah, it's just kind of worked out that way. Yeah, it's so cool that it has worked out that way, though, because it's not something that you hear about very often, and especially for generations. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very cool. Yeah. So we must be a little girl for sure. No pressure on us. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Girl power. (laughs) So Dana, my question for you is, you are responsible or help out with the marketing of your products on your farm. Like you guys mentioned, you guys are in a pretty remote area. So what are some of the challenges and the wins that you've had promoting your products to local and moving local? Yeah, it's super interesting because initially, like we're in a very small community. So it's always been that traveling to sell our product is just part of it. We don't sell very much locally. That's all three of us. None of us really do. Um, not saying that our community doesn't support us, but for us, traveling to the city and kind of penetrating the market it was kind of part of the deal. Initially, when we started, Richard and Kathy had a big presence in Calgary with quite a few families. Unfortunately, with the downturn and kind of rolling over the farm, Ian and I thought we had a bigger, a larger market than we actually did when we dove into the farm. So, and really when we dove in, we ended up butchering so much more than what we had, were capable of at the time. So in the end, it turned out to be a good thing because we ended up having to dive deep and kind of 
spread our wings into places like restaurants that initially I really thought that was out of our reach. But with the pressure of like a huge walk-in freezer full of meat, then this was our option is that we had to dive into a place that we kind of didn't think that we belonged in a sense as well with our quality and lucky for us that we have built some amazing relationships with a few restaurants and butchers like Chartier and Beaumont who has embraced us fully with using the whole animal because that's the other tricky part of marketing into these restaurant worlds is that your best cut so all your steak they don't want your stew meat or your ground beef so for us to build a relationship with a restaurant that was interested in sustainable farming in the sense of using the whole animal, every single cut and you know that's been such a huge support for us and it's really opened our eyes to possibility of getting other restaurants on this way of using these animals absolutely and the sustainability factor of all of this right like of using the whole animal and not having anything go to waste that goes along with your your farm's values and obviously that is something that is a growing and popular trend which i think is a great thing yes agreed so you ladies obviously are all near one another. You are the same room. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about what you all have individually done on your farms and what you are now doing collectively. Sure. This is Nikki speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, we'd been spending a lot of time together. We all knew each other really well. Like Dana's husband, Ian, is, is my cousin, so I do know him really well. And Dana's, you know, they've been dating since high school, so she's a cousin to me as well. Brett and Jenna and I went to high school together. They're just a couple of years older than me. So we've all known each other for a really long time. And we all kind of moved back within a few years of each other to the farm. And we started spending a lot of time together. We'd organize dinners, little potluck dinners with just, you know, each other and chat a lot about farming and how difficult things were, how difficult marketing was, you know, how like isolating it can be. And so two years ago, we decided we're going to formally make our informal group, um, <laughs> the Prairie Farm Project, which is pretty much just a way of labeling ourselves to help each other market our product, which we have done the relationship uh, with Chartier kind of all began around the same time. And we've all, our product has all been featured in there. And that's, you know, largely because of the collaborative marketing. We help each other a lot on the farm. So uh, we host multiple work bees at each of our farms each year. Um, All of us bring a really unique skill set to the group. So Brett is an electrician, Ian's a carpenter, Dana and Jenna are both like really, really good at organizing and like just super capable human beings. And then I have a writing background. So I often get like tasked with, writing stuff for their websites, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then we hosted our first farm-to-table dinner as a group to summer of 2018, where we had like 130 people sit down for a completely local farmer-oriented dinner, which was served up by um, actually the chefs at Chartier at the time. Um, and since then, we've hosted another, I think, of these big farm-to-table dinners featuring all of our own products. Together, we're the Prairie Farm Project, and we just spend a lot of time eating and drinking and hanging out together, being each other's little support network out here in rural Alberta. 
I think I mentioned to you guys that I wanted to be a member of your collective of the Fairy Project. <laughs> I don't know what I can actually bring to the table, but I will enjoy everything that you guys do. <laughs> yeah, our motto is, what is it? Oh my God. A group of young farmers producing good food and having a good time doing it. Yeah. And it was a joke because we were trying to figure out what is it? What are we? Doing? What are we doing? What's our slogan? That's what we narrowed it down to. Because <laughs> that's what we are, we're doing. Yeah. That's a perfect yeah. description. That's exactly <laughs> it. We live on big spreads and tiny homesteads, farms, ranches, and everywhere in between. Neighbors separated by barbed wire fences and gravel roads, divided by section lines and field boundaries. We are wives and mothers, husbands and fathers, producers and consumers, held together by the threads of history and love. Here in these vast, wide open places, we answer the call of caregivers to the land, the animals, and our families with open hearts and willing hands. The miles of gravel and pavement between our homes can make the isolation of rural life feel insurmountable. Sometimes we struggle to reach out and ask for help, even though we never pause when one of our own needs our support. We come together in times of crisis and in times of joy. We celebrate together when the markets are up and hold each other together when the world falls apart. We support each other's families from the sidelines and in the trenches. We show up for each other, operating equipment, working cattle, cooking meals, and offering a shoulder to cry on when there's nothing else we can do. We may get knocked down, but together we get back up and carry on. We are fighters who never back down from a challenge or allow obstacles to stop us in our tracks. When the going gets tough, we rally. We rise from the ashes of heartbreak because this life is in our blood and it is part of our soul. Though we are proud of our independence and our strength, we know that together we can overcome challenges we can't handle alone. Introducing Rally, a charitable campaign aiming to bring agriculture together. The agricultural industry is like no other. Farmers and ranchers are truly the eternal optimists. We work against the clock and the elements on a daily basis. We stand alone in our fields and come together in need. The rally campaign was built for this purpose, to stand together and to support one another. We are the faces of agriculture, no matter the size of our operations. We stand united whether we're conventional or organic, grass or grain finished, big egg or small farm. We're all in this together. The rally campaign is a fundraising effort to provide funds for selected agricultural organizations. Funds raised through the Rally Campaign will be donated to the Do More Agricultural Foundation, who is a not-for-profit organization focused on mental health in agriculture across Canada, and the Agri-Ability Project, whose mission is to enhance the quality of life for farmers, ranchers, and other agricultural workers with disabilities so they, their families, and their communities can continue to succeed in rural America. Purchase your Rally Campaign t-shirt over at Shop Wild Rose Farmer, with $4 of the proceeds being equally split between these two worthy organizations. For more information about the Rally Campaign, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com rally. What do you think have been some of the biggest benefits you guys as a group have seen from, you know, collaborating when it comes to to basically everything you do, you're doing these worker bees to help each other out. What have been some of the biggest benefits that you guys have seen since doing this since before you became the Prairie Farmer Project? 
So I'll speak to that. And this is Jenna. One of the big things, it's just kind of pushed us outside of our comfort zone. Like it's pushed me definitely because we wouldn't have probably taken on the pastured poultry business. That was something that was really new to me. And there was all this equipment that was available through this group of people, which was amazing. And then they supported us getting the hoop houses ready, kind of got through step by step and being there for us when there were failures. And so that made it so that we could actually take on this enterprise and bring it to our farm. So that's been huge for us. And I know there have been other things that we've just all helped each other and made it so that it's been possible. Like Dana and Ian took on the big project of building a huge food forest this summer. And so to have a work be around that, something that might not be actually doable if it was just the two of them trying to do it. But when we all get together, it just makes it so much more fun and so much easier. So stuff like that, just taking on different projects and yeah, the work bees have just been huge sharing equipment and then the marketing would just, it's life changing because if all of us had to market our own brand individually, you'd have to put so much more energy into that. But marketing as a whole has been really beneficial. So this might be an awkward question and you guys can draw straws of who wants to answer it. (laughs) What do you think has been some of the struggles that you have faced within being a collective? You know what, we, this is Dana from Rental. Um, it's interesting because at, at the Holistic Management Conference, we were approached quite a bit about that, like working together and navigating. I mean, we're all very different people with our strengths. But really, I think transparency and, and being open with each other and we're not keeping track of who's doing what or inputting what, which I think is important. So for us, we've really, like got lucky with the people that we've partnered with. And to this day, I, I, for myself anyway, I can't think of anything that we have yet to hit as a challenge or a roadblock with this group. We all agree that, like I said, being open and honest and if anything us that we decided early on that it's just going to be open about it to discuss it. So for us too, it, this group has really been helpful for the mental health aspect of just being a support network. So, I mean, the work bees where you're feeling overwhelmed or whatever, I think that's been a huge asset because we sit down for dinner and we're talking about all the stuff we have to do. And all of a sudden, you know, the five of us are all together doing that huge task. So it's just really a game changer in our, our small farming day to day. I think one of the things too, um, is we are very remote. Um, there aren't a lot of people in our community and there aren't a lot of people with similar goals and values as we have. And we were lucky enough to kind of find each other in the same place because it can be really like politically isolating here. And with the style of agriculture that we're all trying to pursue, there's not many people around that are, are doing that. So to have that support network and that aspect of our farm life as well, just having people to, you know, vent with that kind of align with your goals and values is really huge, I think, for all of us. Hopefully that answers your question. But, I yeah, there was no it sure does. Yep. I know. To this day, we actually, like I said, Ian can be kind we, of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all have our, it's funny, we all have our roles in the, in the project, you know, like Brett's the hype guy and Ian's the dreamer. So he comes up with a plan and then us girls seem to be the ones that have to, you know, pull it all together and execute this crazy dream that we've dreamt up. So it's working. 
That's amazing. That is so cool. And for there to be so many kind of hands in it and for it all to just work out, I think that is amazing. And one thing I went up that kind of was a topic that was discussed within the room at the conference was that this is kind of like old school farming in a way that this was the way that people farmed however many years ago where it was neighbors helping neighbors and it was you know it wasn't a competition it was more of a community and i think what you guys are doing is so beautiful because it is one big community sharing you know your profits and sharing your equipment and not keeping track of who's done what for who like i think like it's old school farming at its finest yeah, that's definitely something we brought, or Ian talked a lot about at the conference is, um, you know, great over competition. And you look at the, yeah, the way that farms used to act around one another. Obviously, they were a lot smaller. They were a lot closer together. They shared a lot of equipment. You know, when a big thing was happening at the farm, like hang or whatever, you know, they all did it together. I mean, still, it still does exist around here. You yeah. know, when you, you look at big brandings and mm-hmm. stuff, there's tons of farmers that come out to help one another. I think we just keep that idea going all year long. Yeah. And um, the equipment sharing too is a, a key. Like each of our farms have something that, you know, we borrowed or used or we don't need to buy, say, a Bobcat if Brett and Jenna have one, you know. So for us, small farming equipment is such a cost that if we can share that cost in a sense, then. Yeah, and then use it like yeah. how often. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I think it used to be like back in the old school farming, all these things were shared out of necessity. And now farms have gotten so big and independent needs to work together or share anything. And um, as young farmers who are just getting started, we kind of, to make this doable for ourselves, it really, really helps to share our resources. And I think something that was lost over time when these farms start growing and start becoming more independent is you do lose that camaraderie. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That friendship with your fellow fellow farmers and... You don't share in their successes necessarily as much. So for us to be able to share our equipment and share our labor, we also get to share in, you know, the ups and downs of farming together. And yeah, again, just that support network is huge. So ladies, what is the future plans for the Prairie Farm Project? What do you guys have in the works for this year and beyond? So we have our long table dinner on June 27th. We are partnering with our favorite people at Chartier. They're coming out to cook it for us and it will be hosted at Redtail Farms. So that's exciting. We also have a few partnerships with uh, Old Red Barn in, out of Leduc. They're another amazing producer partner that we are lucky to line up with. Lots of work bees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into all the work bees, but... Yeah, I don't know. We, you know, we sit around all winter and dream of our summers. And last year we really took it on. And this year we just kind of, we've decided that we want to partner outside a bit more. So if, you know, if anyone's interested in having us come to them with parts of, we're hoping to get into a few restaurants. We're featuring like an awful night in, in Beaumont with Chartier. Yeah. We're starting to do a little bit more speaking at some conferences yeah. and things like that. We've also done a bit of catering, but don't have that planned right now. No. Yeah, and I think like we're all this summer, Jenna and Brett are raising chickens again. I'm planning on raising lambs again. You know, Dana have the pork and beef thing. And I think we are hoping to eventually be able to kind of provide like mixed boxes of yep. meat. 
know, all of our agricultural values really align. We all really respect how one another raises the animals and stuff. So we can proudly say to our customers, like if you've been buying from me, I 100% think you should get your chicken from Brett and Jenna and your beef from Ian and Dana and so on. So yeah, we're just letting it kind of grow naturally. Well, that is a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question individually for each of you so you can decide who answers first. But my famous last question that I like to ask all of my guests is, what is the most hard part about being a farmer for you? So I'd like to hear from each of you. It's the lifestyle. I made a lot better money as a journalist. <laughs> a lot more stable, you know, paycheck and uh, more job stability. I mean, this summer I'm really focusing on cut flowers. A hailstorm could come in and take all of that away from me in a night and I would be completely rude financially. <laughs> but I made this decision to move back to the farm because I really like the quality of life that the farm provides. I like being able to stop in and have coffee with Ian and Dana at two o'clock in the afternoon for two hours. You know, I like having a beer at two with my friends. <laughs> and then I'll work until midnight if I need to. I like being able to grow all my own food. It's been like my diet out here. Like, I'm so lucky. I could not afford any like we eat like kings out here and we get to be close like my a lot of my family is here my nieces and nephews I get to spend time with them and they love coming out to the farm and playing with the animals and forest together it's just farming well it can be you can make really like really good money farming but that's not my motivation for being here and yeah I just really love living out in the country and, and doing this thing I would definitely have to agree with Nikki yeah she said it really well and <laughs> covered most of everything that I would say and I just like love being on the land too being out in the we have native coolie pastures and being out there with the animals that just that makes me so happy yeah and raising my kids out here it was always a dream to raise my kids on the farm Ian and I both grew up on farms so it was kind of a no-brainer for me the freedom and the whole experience I I wouldn't change it or it's really what I want for my kids as well You guys had me at beer at two (laughs) o'clock. Well, it has been so great catching up with you ladies again. And I'm so happy that we were able to all come together and share individually your stories as well as the Prairie Farmer Project. So for the listeners who would like to connect with each of you, where can find you online? Well, you can connect with the Prairie Farm Project on Instagram and Facebook at The Prairie Farm Project. And our website is theprairiefarmproject.com. We will be releasing more information about that upcoming dinner on June 7th. We'll be putting those tickets out here hopefully soon and a bit more information about what we're going to be up to on that day. Um, you can find my farm, Ladies at Farm, on Instagram and Facebook at ladies, and that's L-A-D-Y-S, period, at, period, farm. <laughs> or ladiesatfarm.com. And you can find us at lazyteafarm.ca or on Instagram, Facebook, lazyteafarm. And we are redtail underscore farm on Instagram and redtailfarms.com for our website. Perfect. And I will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with each one of you online. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining me on the webcast today. Thanks, Caitlin. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this week's episode with the ladies from the Prairie Farm Project. I so enjoyed talking to them and just the spirit and nature of this project is truly inspiring for me and I hope it has been for you to maybe think of collaborations that you guys can do with your farms or your neighbors or whoever. I just think it's such a cool way to kind of go back to the way that farms used to be. So obviously this episode was recorded a little while ago before the current events that are happening in the world were happening. So I touched base with Nikki from the Prairie Farm Project, Ladies Hat Farm, and just asked for an update of what is going on with their events and all of that kind of stuff over this summer. So I was in touch with Nikki, and this is what the update is. So the Prairie Farm Project is putting all events on hold until gathering restrictions are lifted. So that means, unfortunately, no June 27th dinner or dinner in general this summer. They are so excited to be working together to put out meat boxes for their customers this summer instead and are focusing on helping one another and their farms. So they're so excited to resume dinners in 2021 and especially because they have some new additions that are coming to the Prairie Farm Project crew. So Tess and her husband Callum, who are Ian's sister and Nikki's cousin, They're all related somehow, right? (laughs) They are moving home from England and are working on getting a butcher shop up and going, which is so cool. Tess is also a cheesemaker and a beginner herbalist. So they are going to be adding such great additions to their little crew. And I am so excited to see what they come up with in the future. And if you guys want to stay connected with them, make sure you head on over to today's show notes and Follow them on Instagram and check out their websites and all of the goodness that is coming out of the Prairie Farm Project. Thank you again so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast, and we will see you all back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at Wild Rose Farmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.